Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Today we're starting a new series entitled Love and Logic. Love and Logic. And uh, I'm super pumped. We're going to take the whole entire month to talk about 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and talk about what Paul meant when he talked about love. What did he mean for the biblical community? What did he mean for us that are walking together in Christ? What did he mean by this idea of love? This is a super important topic uh, because I believe that love is uh, not only overused, but it is misused so many times, right? I mean, how many of you in the same sentence could be sitting at Habit Burger? Anybody been to Habit Burger before? Okay, get saved and taste and see that the Habit Burger is good. It's amazing, all right? Uh, you could be sitting there at Habit Burger, eating your burger, and look at your wife and say, man, I love this burger, and three sentences later say, I love my wife. Are you here with me? And so if those are kind of too closely connected, my wife could think I love her as much as I love a burger. Are you with me, okay? And so this word love is so misused and overused that I think even in the church world that, that we, you know, here we are and we say we love one another, but I don't know if we have the full context of what that means. I don't know if we fully can grasp what it means when we say, hey, we love people in the church. And, and now hear me, uh, the church is set apart from the rest of the world. I don't just mean Canvas Church, I mean the church at large. And so when the world looks in, they should see something vastly different than what they see when they look in their own context. Are you with me? And so this whole thing, love and logic, here's what I've discovered, that love is very logical. It has a very logical um, application to it. But not only that, within scripture and in doing this thing called Christianity, it is impossible to just be logical. You have to have love behind it, all right? There has to be love behind it. Uh, if I get up here and I'm just very logical with my sermons and I could preach and teach and do all those things, but I don't have love, the Bible says some things about that. And so we're gonna embark on this journey together over the next several weeks and talk about love. Love. This idea of love uh, perpetuates a problem within our culture because if we can't clearly identify what love is, then love is up to our own personal interpretation. And we get to give our own definition to it like so many other things. And so we need to go back to Scripture and learn what Scripture says about love and what type of love it's really talking about. The Bible really does talk about love quite a bit. Um, it doesn't just give us context, but it also gives us an interpretation. Look, listen to some of these scriptures. It says this in John 13, 35. It says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. What does the Bible mean by disciples? It means that, that you're followers of Jesus. So if you call yourself a Christian, this verse is for you. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love one another. How are people going to look and say, oh, that person loves Jesus or that person follows Jesus? They're going to look and see by the way you're loving other individuals within the community that you're a part of. They will look in and they'll say, okay, that's, that's a true believer. That's someone that knows Jesus. They'll judge it by the love they see. Ephesians 5.2 says this. It says, and walk in love as the Messiah. Now, if you don't know who the Messiah is, that's Jesus, Okay. So here's what it tells us in Ephesians. It says, hey, all of you, we should walk in love as Jesus also loved us. Okay, now I don't know how long you've been attending church. Maybe your first time. So let me just tell you, this is what Jesus did for us. Jesus went to a cross and died. 
Okay, that, that puts things into context, right? So this is what it's saying. Hey, as, as Jesus walked in love, by the way, Jesus died on the cross, not for his own sins and his own things. No, he did it explicitly for every other human on the earth. Um, so that's the way you gotta love other people. Ouch, right? It's quiet. As he also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. John 15, nine through 13 says this, as the Father has loved me, this is Jesus talking, so Jesus is saying, hey, as the Father's loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have spoken these things to you so that my love may be in you and your joy may be complete. Now listen to that. As we walk in this love and we love others as Christ loved us and as the Father loved him, as we walk in this love, what happens? We have complete joy. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. There it is again. No one has greater love than this that someone would lay down his life for his friends. This is biblical Love. First Corinthians chapter 13, if you turn on your Bibles and scroll there, or open up your paper one and flip over there, New Testament passage, New Testament book, and uh, we're going to talk about love over the next four weeks. Uh, Paul is the one, Paul, the great apostle of the New Testament church, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He, again, is writing this particular book, and he's writing to what's known as the church at Corinth. And the reason he's writing this letter, which we now know as a book, the reason he's writing this letter, he's writing it because he's getting word back that people that call themselves Christians are not living in Christ-centered love. There is, there is ungodliness happen. There is immorality happening. There, is, there are people at odds with one another, offended with one another, not walking in forgiveness with one another. As a matter of fact, it gets so bad that now literally Christians are taking other Christians to pagan courts, not only to dispute. Now, what do I mean by pagan courts? I mean courts that back then they had courts that were set up for the religious people and they disputed their matters there. And then they had courts set up for the rest of the world that they could deal with things there. As Christians, we were supposed to handle our disputes one-on-one. -on -one. That's the way it's supposed to happen. But what's taking place in Corinth is now these people are taking spiritual matters as well as natural matters to these outside courts and asking these judges that have no spiritual mindset to rule on these things. So Paul hears about all of this taking place, and he says, you know what? They're not, they're not understanding what biblical love is. And so it's out of that context that he now begins to write the whole entire letter of 1 Corinthians. And the whole entire book is written to set things in order so that we could live in a godly manner. And here it is that we find the greatest chapter on love in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 13, gonna read the whole thing, and it says this. It says, if I speak human or angelic languages, but do not have love, I am a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Okay, what does Paul mean if I speak with the tongues of men? He's talking about a native language that he has. He's talking like, I'm talking to you right now. But then he also mentions this thing called angelic languages. Wow, what is he talking about? Well, in 1 Corinthians, he actually talks about praying in the spirit with a heavenly language. 
Much like you might go to another country and learn a language, there is a heavenly language called tongues, and it comes from the Holy Spirit. And Paul says this, whether I'm talking in my native tongue or I'm talking in a heavenly tongue, none of it matters unless I have love. None of it matters unless its basis is found in love. If it's not found in love, I'm I'm nothing more than a, a clanging cymbal or a big gong. Okay, now you would never hear this in this church, but maybe you attended another church and you heard the band go off key. Anybody ever been there before? Now, I know it's never happened here at Canvas, but, but you don't have to be like a, a great musician and all of a sudden when someone hits the wrong chord or the wrong key, and it's like, eh, you're just like, whoa, you took me out of the spirit. Are you with me? Okay. You've been to that church, right? Down the road, won't mention any names. But you know what I'm talking about. You're, you're worshiping, and all of a sudden, man, you're like, whoa, right? And then you're just like, whoa, what, what was that all about? It, it's, Paul's saying this. If you don't have love, if it's not grounded in love and rooted in love, that's what you sound like. Are you with me? I guess not. All right. Verse 2. If I have the gift of prophecy which it talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, the chapter before this, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. If I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I donate all my goods to feed the poor to the San Diego Dream Center, and if I, I give my body in order to boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, is not boastful, is not conceited, does not act improperly, is not selfish, is not provoked, and does not keep record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Woo! It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, highlight it, underlie it, emboss it, whatever. Are you with me? Endures. Oh, come on. I know you're looking at your like digital Bible. You can do all sorts of things with that thing, right? Listen to it. Endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for languages, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect Jesus comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see indistinctly as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then when the perfect Jesus comes, I I know fully. And I am fully known. Now listen to this, verse 13, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. Now these three things remain. These three things are vitally important for us as believers. These three things are vitally important for what we call the church. These three things remain on earth until Jesus, the perfect one, returns. Here they are. Faith, hope, and love. Listen to it now. But the greatest of these is Love. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word today. Uh, Lord, I pray in the next few moments that we have together that, God, you would speak clearly. God, that you would, you would show us, Lord God, how to walk in biblical love in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Not too long ago, uh, my wife and I, we went to a restaurant in downtown San Diego. We used to live in Little Italy, lived there for four and a half years. We still love going there, have our favorite spots, but we thought we would try out a new spot. And so we tried out this new spot, cute little spot. I won't mention its name in case you love it and therefore I ruin it for you. 
And we decided to go to this cute little spot, and, and we were so excited because we heard so many great things about it. And so we get there, and we didn't have reservations, had to wait for a little bit, and, and they sat us down. And it was the man, the decor was awesome, man. It was just a cool spot, and we're just vibing on this place. Like, man, this could be one of our new spots. He liked that vibing. And uh, we just thought this could be one of our new spots. And they took us back. And the tables were a little close, but, but we didn't mind because of the atmosphere that was already set. It was just, it was wonderful. And, and, and man, we were just, you know, enjoying this place. And then we got the menu. And look, man, the menu looked great. And, and, uh, but it took a really long time for the server to get to us. Like an exceptionally long time, which I'm not a big fan of. And uh, so it took a long time. Finally, uh, she comes to us, drops some menus there, doesn't say a whole lot, and I'm, I'm, we're trying to get her attention, doesn't really pay attention to us really, and then comes down and kind of slaps some water on the table, and, and so we're looking over the menu, and, and, and we go to drink our water, and, and all of a sudden my wife goes to buy it on an ice cube, only to realize it's not an ice cube, but it's glass. Yeah, see, now I got your attention, all right. Um, she bites out, she's like, that's all right. And blood is gush, no, it's gonna happen, but... <laughs> she bites down on this, and it's not ice. And she's like, oh, I just bit down on glass. And so we, we get the server to come over, and she acts like it happens all the time. She's like, oh, okay, I'll get you a new cup of water. And I'm like, call 911, thank you, right? This is my wife. Like, I only have one of them. I want to keep her, right? And so I'm like, are you kidding me? And she just, she just takes the glass away, brings new glass, and doesn't say anything. And then it takes her like another 30 minutes to, to, you know, to come over, take our order. And she takes our order, and then it takes a really long time to get food. I am honestly thinking at this point, they are going to comp our meal. By the time, you know, the check comes, there is no comping on there, no free dessert, no nothing, okay? The food tasted great. The atmosphere was awesome. Man, the decor was really cool. Loved it, but the service lacked everything. And because of that, we have never been back to that restaurant and probably would never go again. Then what does this have to do with the message? This is what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 13. You can have the best decor. You can have the best atmosphere. Man, you can have the best worship. You can have the best preacher. You can have all of that stuff. You can have it all, and man, the, the message could be amazing. The points, I mean, the, the graphic could be really cool, and man, everything could be just super awesome, but if it is not grounded and rooted in love, it does nothing. It does nothing. On the flip side of that, I've been to restaurants that had no atmosphere, there was no decor, man, and the food was mediocre, but the service was so amazing that I still go back to that place. Why? Because of what we felt from the individual. Paul begins to talk to the dysfunctional people in Corinth. And lest you think you're above those people, huh, some of this dysfunction still exists today within the church. He says, we gotta have love. We, we can prophesy with the best of them, we can, we can do all this stuff, but if it's not grounded in love, it means nothing. You have got to love one another. And let me just tell you this, you really know that love is love when it's tested. Hmm. You can say you love somebody, okay? You can stand at an altar, look your bride or your groom in the eyes and say, till death do us part, I love you. And then about five days into the marriage, come on somebody. <laughs> See, some of you thought I was gonna say years, but I'm a real preacher, okay? About five days into the marriage, 
you really are like, oh, I, yeah, well, and, and tell that to us part. Are you with me? Right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. See, love really isn't love until it's tested. It's words. It's, 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 it's pointless. It's meaningless. It's, it's, like, it's like the geometry and algebra class you took in high school that you said, I'll never use this until you went and built something. You're like, I'm so glad I took geometry, right? See, Paul is saying, look, you gotta have love, but let's talk about what kind of love it is. These three things remain as a part of the church, remain in the biblical community until Christ, the perfect one, returns that embodies all of these things. These are the three things that are gonna remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. What is faith? Faith is our walk, right? Isn't that what 1 Corinthians tells us? 1 Corinthians tells us that we walk by faith, not by sight. This is our walk. This is how we, how we walk this thing out. That's its faith. But what is hope? Hope is our stance and our belief in Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible tells us in Hebrews 6, 19, that we have this hope and anchor for our soul. And it begins to go on and describe Jesus. So our hope is in Jesus. Faith is the way we walk. We walk by faith, not by sight. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, the work that he did and is still doing, okay? But then what's love? Love is the perspective by which everyone else looks at us from the outside. See, I'll be honest with you. The, the world could care less about our faith. The world really doesn't give a whole lot to our hope, but we read it earlier. They will know that we're true followers of Jesus Christ, not based on, man, you can really know the Bible. Man, you know the Bible better than anybody. No, not, not how they're gonna know. Man, you really love Jesus. Man, you are like, man, you're hoping. Wow, you love Jesus. No, that's something to look at. What they're gonna look at is the way we love one another. Are you with me? Paul knew this. Paul understood this. And so he addresses the dysfunction and the error that is happening in Corinth. So much so that the Holy Spirit preserved that for us so that we could read it and know how we ought to walk today. Are you with me? Here's the problem. There's four different types of love in the Bible. When you and I read our Bible today, we open it up and we read and we read across and we come across a word love, we read love. And then in another passage, we read love. And then in another passage, we read love and we think they're all the same love. But yet if you study it out, you realize there's actually four types of love in the Bible. Let me give them to you real quickly. The first kind of love in the Bible is this. It's called eros, eros, E-R-O-S. So when you're reading your Bible, you need to know, is, is he talking about eros love? What is eros love? Eros love is this. The basic idea of this love is self-satisfaction. Though eros is directed toward another, it actually has self in mind. For example, I love you because you make me happy. That's eros. Now I'll do this because doing this makes me happy. I'll love you because I'm getting something out of it in return. I love you because it makes me feel good, all right? That's actually one of the loves in the Bible, and it uses that in certain places, okay? So eros, it, it really is self-satisfying love. The other kind of love found in the Bible is this word called storge, storge. 
This is the kind of love that, that is, uh, it's just, it's, it's a natural love. It's, it's you know, I, how many of you guys have pets? Okay, when you say you love your dog or your cat, you're saying storge. That's my dog. I love my dog. My dog's so cute, you know? It's actually the same kind of love that you would use for other things as well. Like, I, I love my house. It's this nat- yeah, my house is awesome. It's, I love my house, okay? So it's, it's a little bit different, right? It's not, not necessarily self-gratifying love, but it's this natural, like, I have a dog. Of course, I love my I don't beat my dog, all right? Not, not often, but. There's the third kind of love found in the Bible, and it's this word called phileo. Phileo. This is, this is a higher uh, version of the love of Eros because it, it, it doesn't just take into account like I love you uh, because it's good for me. What it says is I'm in this because we all in this and you know it's good for both of us, okay? It's like this brotherly love. Phileo is a higher love than Eros because it is our hap- happiness rather than just my happiness, okay? And it's okay to have this kind of love, okay? But then there's this fourth kind of love and it's this word agape, isn't that cool? Agape. Agape. And here's what agape love is. And I'll just give you the last part of it. There's so much more we could go into. But agape desires only the good of the one being loved. It is a consuming passion for the well-being of others. Okay? This is an incredible love. This love says it doesn't matter if I get anything out of it. It doesn't matter if I get any happiness, any satisfaction, any joy, anything in return. I just do this because, man, I am into it for you. Man, I want you to be good. I want you to be loved. I want you to be happy. I want, I want you to, to, are you with me? This is agape, okay? When Paul writes 1 Corinthians 13, if you look at it in context, he says, if I do not have agape, then everything I do is like a clanging symbol. If I do not have this love that says, I'm not into this for myself, I'm not into this for my gratification, I'm not in this for, for me personally, I'm in it for you, I'm in it for Jesus, I'm in it because it brings glory to his name, I'm in it because, man, you get some satisfaction and gratification and hope out of it. That's the kind of love that Paul is talking about. The problem is this is that Paul looks and he realizes that what should be agape within the church is actually eros. He looks and he says, wow, people are doing things for self-gratification. People are doing things for themselves. They will do it as long as it pleases them. Hmm. But Paul says, hold on, guys, that's wrong. You need to have agape. You need to be in it. You need to be in it. You know the Bible talks that he's building his church? That Jesus is building his church? And all of us are like living stones? And although you might have thought you came to this church because you liked worship, come on, isn't worship great at our church? You came to this church because there was an opportunity to serve? There was a group of us that came to this church that, that because God sent us to start the church? Whatever it is, no matter what reason it is that brought you to Canvas Church, did you know that he's actually the one that brought you here? See, some of you thought, you know what, you're just checking it out today. But you know what? Man, Christ is working behind the scenes saying, that's why you think you came today, but the real reason you came today is because you're a living stone and that church needs you there to help build. And in the context of that, Paul writes and says, hey, look, though, you've got to have agape for one another. 
but that agape is only seen when it gets tested. That love is only seen when it gets tested. But Paul says, man, there's too much eros going on. There's too much, oh yeah, I'll serve in this ministry because it brings me happiness. I'll serve in this ministry because I like that and it fulfills me. Just don't ask me to do anything that doesn't fulfill me, pastor. <laughs> right? I mean, I love, I love playing the keys. I'm good at playing the keys. Put me up, I'm, I'm good. Hey, would you serve in babies? Uh, nope. Don't like children, not even my own. Right? <laughs> right? Hey, would you mind coming every once in a while and just doing some setup and pack up? No, I don't do that. Why? It's just not my, it's just not my ministry. It's nobody's ministry, all right? <laughs> all right, nobody really is like, yeah, first thing, so, yeah, I'll set up and back up. No. That pastor, I'll preach, though. <laughs> right? See, we, what happens is, as Paul looks and people are at odds with one another, they're in conflict with one another, and he sees them not handling it properly. See, love is only tested when trust is broken, when offense arises, hmm? when miscommunication happens, and then we really know, was it Eros love or was it agape love? Was it a love that says, you know what? I'm gonna work through it because I'm not here for me. I'm here for him and I'm here for you. It's a biblical community. That's how it is. This is what Paul is saying. Hey guys, I know there's some conflict going on. I know there's some stuff happening. But you know what? You've got to have agape love. You've got to have a love that says, yes, I'm there. Yes, I'll do it. I'll love that person. Here's the problem, ladies and gentlemen. Here's what happens because the world looks in and says, I'll know. I'll know when I look at the community if, I, if they really are Christ followers. And they look in and if they don't see love, here's the conclusion they come to. If they can't love their own, how will they love me if I come with my mess? They can't love each other. If they can't have this agape love for one another, then how, when I come with my stuff and I share my baggage, certainly if they don't love their own, how will they love me? How will they love me? And Paul says, guys, there's something off. There's something off. Man, this work that was started, this work that begun, man, you're starting to look at it wrong. Don't take your brother or your sister to court. If you have an offense, Matthew 18 says, go to that person and go to that person alone. Don't share it with anybody else. You work it out with that person and that person alone. That's love. That's agape love. That's a love that Christ can build on. That's a love that says, you know what? Man, I see some areas that I could help out and I see some places, man, I'll be a living stone. I can get plugged in here, I can help build. And then it gets tested and you say, you know what? No, I remember Christ is the one that brought me. Christ is the one that put me. Christ is the one that placed me. Christ is the one. And so you know what? Because I'm here not for my own self-gratification. I'm here for his kingdom and his purpose and his gratification. Then you know what? I can give the same kind of love that Christ has we need to have for one another. The same kind of love that Christ has for us we begin to have for the world. And that's the kind of love that will begin to bring people from the north, the south, the east, and the west that feel unlovely and unloved and broken and hurt and abused that feel like they have nothing. Listen, we want people to hear our doctrine. We want people to hear our faith. We want people to know the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. It starts with love. If you don't have love, everything is a clanging 
symbol. God, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.